0: Welcome to The Curious Sheep, the podcast for everything sheep. We'll ask questions, challenge ideas, learn from each other, and share the wonderful world of farming and all the fun that goes with it. Whether you're a seasoned pro at shepherding, just bought your first sheep, or live in the city and are curious about farming, I hope you can gain some knowledge for your own farm or a tidbit of farm info to share at your next dinner party. Hey everyone and welcome back to the Curious Sheep podcast. It has been a hot minute. Um, We have been busy on the farm here with harvest and lambing and the kids are finally back in school. So that has been going well and we've been busy trying to catch up with stuff at home now that harvest is done and the kids are at school. So it's been good and I'm getting back into podcasting. So Got an awesome episode for you this week, and I actually already have one recorded for you for next week, so stay tuned for that. So this week I chat with Ursina. Ursina and her husband Andrew run a flock of Katahdin sheep up in Quebec, and when she's not busy doing that, Ursina is a accountant. So she's got this awesome blend of number sense and farm sense, and she puts it all together. Um, not, not as much for her work, but she's developed a website and a lot of resources to help farmers and also offers farm business planning and things like that for anyone who needs help. So I hope you enjoy the episode. I think there's a lot of really good nuggets that everyone can use to help do some farm business planning, not only if you're starting out, but also if you're wanting to expand and plan some new stuff for your farm. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's of the Curious Sheep podcast. This week, I have Ursina joining me. Um, So we've got a mix of a farmer and an accountant. Hi, Ursina, how are you? Hi, Romy, I'm great. Can we start? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself,
1: about your farm and your job? Yeah, so my name's Ursina, uh, together with my husband, Andrew, We run a Katahdin hair sheep cross, uh, mixed herd of flock, sorry, of sheep. Uh, I think we're currently running about 220. We have shared, we have a shared flock with family members. So we actually lamb out more than that. And we're located in Shawville, Quebec, but all of our lambs get marketed through Ontario Uh, for a variety of reasons, including market sizing. And um, if I'm not in the barn doing sheep things, I am probably at work doing accounting things because I'm a CPA, Chartered Professional Accountant. Awesome. Yeah, you guys are
0: really close to the border, right? So you do a lot of stuff in both Quebec and Ontario, right?
1: Yeah, I work in Ontario, like the borders may be 15 minutes away, like I can see Ontario from my house. Nice. So,
0: And because you're actually in Quebec, and I've got a lot of listeners in Ontario, do you want to describe a few of the difference between some of the, like the Ontario sheep versus Quebec sheep industry kind of things? Yes.
1: Yeah, so one of the biggest differences that isn't too obvious right off the bat Uh, so quebec has the heavy lamb marketing board so if you want to sell lambs uh, that weigh more than 79 pounds and participate in all of the various government programming agri-stability and the like you have to sell the lambs through the board and it works much like ontario's pork board with the pool and you have to sign in forms you get there's different levels of contracts so it's actually quite complicated to sell heavier lambs if you want to be able to access additional programming apparently there's also fines if you sell too many heavy lambs without participating Uh, they leave the border regions alone for the most part thankfully so we sell lightly Specialize in breeds that produce light lambs so the majority of our sheep that we sell are somewhere between 55 pounds and 79 pounds just depends on what the market wants that time period for that the weights that we can very easily produce and we market them all through the embrum uh, which is the ottawa sales barn uh, in ottawa and that works out well for us. Um, most of the sheep in Quebec, there doesn't seem to be as much of an emphasis on grazing. It's pretty accelerated, intensive indoor flocks and a lot of different crossbreeds for high maternal uh, turnaround. And um, they're the ones who perfected the light system. Um, there's more light barn. Like most of the people I talk to in Quebec may have more light barns than, say, cedar programs. So that would be some differences.
0: Yeah. When you're talking about lights and cedars, it's to do synchronizing and regulating their rules with the lighting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the, those, the, the heavy land production obviously furthers, uh, or the rules around that really push for you to do those programs. the, production systems they have in Quebec really
0: work with that pricing system and those contracts that they have to set up.
1: Yeah I think carcass quality is maybe more heavily or you'd be more incentivized to participate in that type of car in a, in a carcass improved breeding or focusing on that because you're paid based on your indexes. Right yeah and they get and-
0: they get more feedback as well right so there's that
1: incentive. Yeah. Um, yeah I think that's that's maybe a quite a difference to Ontario where it's much more focused on live pounds and market fluctuations mm-hmm. yeah it's
0: it's it's that pros and it's you got away the pros and cons or no what do I say it's not pros and cons the Ontario market's quite a bit different in that way I mean it's it's you know there's pros and cons to both types of systems like in Ontario we can you know you can kind of ship anything you want um which can be a good thing but then there's also a lot of uh variability and inconsistency in the market too and we don't get um that carcass feedback which is definitely a a weakness we have in being able to get the carcass feedback and managing our flocks differently to improve that
2: yeah and that that. I'd like to get the carcass feed back, but I can't meet the other requirements of the heavy lamb at the current time of the current sizing we have. Yeah, because you're the
0: mostly katadins, right? So it's harder for them to hit that heavy weight category.
2: Yeah, and we have. So our flock is split into at this one's probably 50% katadins, another. And then the other fifty percent are actually half and half Romanoff. Okay. And then we cross uh, the half Romanoff on Dorpers for a terminal, more meaty lamb. They're really fast-growing real little things.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Romanoffs—they're very prolific, so they'll have more lambs, and you want to add some of those meat traits. Um, yeah. Yeah. Tell people a little bit. About Katadins, I think it's a pretty unique breed. Not too many people have them. And they're the, the cutest little spotted speckled colored lambs. I'm jealous. I wish I had some just for their colors and speckles.
2: They are adorable. They come in every color you can dream of pretty much. Basically, if you can, if you can think of what colors goats come in, Katadins are very similar in that. And we actually get a lot of jokes from people telling us we have goats, but they're not goats. (laughs) Uh, So the Katahdin is a hair sheet. The purebreds, they're supposed to have a sleek hair-like coat. Uh, Some of the less pure ones, they'll have, um, it's like a wool undercoat, and that sheds out, much like a dorper. So they also don't pack on the meat quite the same so we've actually had to learn a lot about feeding them and feeding them appropriately because they tend to pack on the back more internally mm-hmm. but we're able to see what their body condition score is very easily because there isn't two or three inches of wool on them or however much should have so mm-hmm. think about this. yeah my romanoffs even shed so for the most part i have like three or four who don't shed but Most of them shed out as well. And then they're smaller sheep. So our ewes are maybe 110, 130 pounds, but they still drop anywhere from 1.8 to 2.1 lambs, depending on the season and um, just the age of the ewes too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we don't have to dock tail. That's um, good, I guess.
0: They've got clean tails, right? And do they have yes. shorter
2: tails as well? Uh, our half-Romanoffs do. So that those ones have shorter tails. That's kind of how we know the genetic background. The can has quite a long tail, but it's pretty clean. Mm-hmm. Um, their udders are also more goat-like than the average bull sheep I've seen. I've, I've seen a few milking sheep videos, and the, the sheep seem to come out um even on your instagram videos the teeth seem to come out more to the side and sort of up on the udder a little bit on our katadins most of them actually point down to the point where the running joke is you know if we ever get bored you might start milking them because well these just milk very good so
0: yeah that's that's interesting i don't think i would have ever noticed that but yeah yes. i think yeah Hmm. interesting yeah and i guess you don't have to you don't have to shear them because they're shedding or do you end yes. up having to shear a handful once in a while
2: yeah so we have to shear our romanoff ramps we have purebred romanoff ramps they have to get sheared and then uh it didn't work out this spring but it looks like there's a handful of the half Romanoffs who could use some assistance as well, yes, we would like them to but even those they're usually their butt and tail area is very wool free and their bellies and udders are wool free so we didn't run into too many issues and it's still like it pulls out you walk up to them and they lose the fluff. but there's a few that could use some help
0: when you're not facing sheep around you've got a you've got a job as well and just this year right you became a certified CPA. Yeah, I guess CPA
2: is certified, right? Chartered Professional Accountant designation, and I got mine last Halloween, so it's been almost a year. So
0: good. And you you work for a firm, or are you doing um, any
2: yourself? So I work for a firm that's based out of Ottawa that has satellite offices in Renfrew, which is it's. As I mentioned, it's on the Ontario side, so it's not too far away. And uh, they're a large public accounting firm, and they do pretty much everything. Yeah. Yep.
0: So. Do you do you get to focus on farm-specific accounts, or do you get a lot of different, you know, kind of experience all different kinds of um So I to do
2: a lot account. of construction companies. And companies involved in the construction sector the agricultural or the number of agricultural companies is not as many as in the Ottawa Valley as, for example, here on Perth, that area. So I see some, but they're not our primary client base, unfortunately. I like working on them, but that's not what I get. I find construction companies, there's, there's a lot of similarities. So it's really interesting sometimes. What would be one of the biggest similarities? Uh, they're, they're still, so they buy in a lot of products. A lot of the contractors, they're buying in raw materials, much like a farm buys in feed. So, they, so farm, farmers are buying in feed, fertilizer, veterinary supplies, whatever they need. The contractors and construction companies and um, also road construction, really popular. They're buying in things like gravel, concrete, lumber, uh, wiring supplies, different types of products that have.
0: Yeah, I guess that would, yeah, they have to buy in a lot of product, but (laughs) I imagine the biggest difference is that us farmers are at the mercy of the market when we sell our product. They're at least able to um, set their prices a bit more.
2: Yeah, they're bidding for contracts, a lot of them. So that's. I guess that's their risk is did they place their bid in an accurate enough way to gauge what they're or to win the contract and then get the revenue. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Good. And did that, so you have developed a, you have both Facebook page and you have a really awesome blog and a website and you are into, um, sort of helping spread your knowledge and helping farmers um, on on that side of things. Did you uh, did you want to do that because of that farm connection or what did you find the need was for that?
2: So it's kind of twofold. Part of it was when I started in accounting, I actually worked for a firm that did a lot of farm files and I found that it, there was always these consistent stats and not that the farmers weren't, trying but there was always these gaps in how they were presenting their or how they were looking at the financial statements and then so there was a gap there and most of the time it talking the or this is what you're looking at or various requirements from the banks it was more of these are. These are what your costs were this year. This is what your revenue was this year. You should maybe focus on certain cost areas. So that kind of knowledge, I I missed doing that. So that was part of setting up the farming frontiers. And the other side was when we started our farm, I found it really difficult to find Canadian resources for farmers and young farmers that had Canadian information on starting a farm that wanted to have more of a commercial uh, intentions. There's lots of information on homesteading or that type of uh, farm development, which is fascinating. And I've learned so much from them. But I felt like we were always missing the gap to going more commercial to eventually having a farm that could produce a full-time income. And that's kind of how I ended up with the blog because I spent so much time researching that I felt like I should share that and save other people the effort of having to look it
0: up. Yeah. No, I was. I had a look through your blog again today. And yeah, you've got everything in there from how to market lambs and feed rations, but also taxation and the actual, like what are some things you need to look at for buying a farm? But again, I think it all comes back to your your keen
2: sense of numbers. Yes. The numbers. That is, yeah. If, if you've ever met me in person, there's, there's always numbers on the margins of my pages or I, <laughs> I like to drag out the calculator a lot. It is. It's become a habit at this point. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. We need
0: people like you because people like me don't do numbers. Well, <laughs> yeah.
2: So, I think you're you're one up on me on the record keeping. I'm I'm always in awe of how other people do the record keeping of lambs and those things. I I'm, I'm not the best at that, but yes, see, I'm, I love, I think I've got it. I love
0: like keeping track of like sheep numbers and like you know like lambing numbers and stuff. I'm good with that, but have me look at financial stuff and I'm lost.
2: Yes, and that is that is a common very common that's probably what I spend a lot of my time doing on, not just professionally, but even on a basis, I I help friends and other people who were in very similar situations to what we were in two or three years ago, wanting to start a fireman, just looking at all the different options, because there's so much to think about and so many things to look at. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So if, we could chat a little bit about um, let's first talk about like maybe how to start a farm and then we'll maybe dig a little bit deeper into maybe some topics that um, existing farms might deal with. So what would be some of the top things um, that you would advise um, a new or a young farmer to do if they're looking into getting into farming?
2: So for starters, it's it's a sad, but very sad. common reality is you need to have some kind of reliable off-farm income for starters It, it doesn't it could be a trade it could be anything you need some kind of reliable income source because especially your first two three four years are pretty unreliable from farm productivity and then it's about finding a good fit for what in, whatever industry you pick, it has to be something that not only you think you can succeed at financially, but it has to be something you love because there's really awful days sometimes, and you want to you want to be able to fall back on what you dream of, not just doing it because you read in a magazine that um, I'm picking on dairy, dairy cows provide you with a great income source. That may be true, but if you don't love the dairy cows, it's not a good fit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's also yeah. research the soil types, research where you are. Um, our biggest thing was we underestimated the soil types that we were sitting on, we're sitting on sand dunes. It's entirely different. It involves a lot of research to learn how to use that type of land. And a lot of it involves creativity. And everybody focuses on buying a farm, but it's more about seeing if you can maybe rent a barn. Sheep are great for that. It's actually a common modeling in Quebec to rent old dairy barns, convert them for sheep, and start that way. Build them with sheep, build up a flock, and then uh, approach a bank. You kind of need that some kind of farm start for banks to be. It, it's just my experience but for banks to be able to look at you. And want to lend you money to purchase an actual farm, you almost have to have your farm business started in some way. And renting a barn or renting land is usually a good approach and it's a little less uh, intensive, maybe not intensive, but less risky because you can always walk away from a rent, but you can't walk away from a mortgage. Or it's really tricky
0: too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I found when we were doing some of our financing for our expansion here, I think something that our bank really appreciated was that we had some experience and some benchmarks. So if you have a, a a few years and you can show like, this is what we've been doing and this is how it's been working. And if you track that progress and success, that makes a big difference too.
2: Yeah. I and mean, maybe it's not that you, um, I know that one thing that we could probably take more advantage of with the increasing age in the farming population is maybe not, Partnerships to buy out the land, but possibly some sort of side by side startup over herds. Like for example, if you had a beef farmer who had a good herd and they slowly wanted to wind down, wind that down, and have the young farmer wind theirs or increase theirs at the at the same rate that the uh, farmer looking to retire is winding down. You can share that infrastructure with less risk to either party because you can do rental agreements and you get yourself a foot in the door you have something so when you go to the bank you can say look i i have financials i have something i I know what i'm doing or you hope you know what you're doing
0: yeah yeah uh, yeah there definitely be some opportunities too right if if you don't have the opportunity to buy the family farm but if you can work with someone else and do kind of a a non-family farm succession and it's kind of like a a rent to own right you're helping them out they're helping you out yeah Um, and then in the end right that farm can still uh move to sort of the next generation it just might not be in the family
2: but it can work a lot of different ways land prices have increased exponentially We can't just save up down payment and buy a property sometimes if you do that you might end up in a situation where you can no longer afford to get the equipment, if it's cash drop or the animals, to get started. Mm -hmm. It's a hefty capital investment, but it's about finding more and maybe starting a little bit smaller than you planned to get ahead and to get a foot in the door.
0: Yeah, exactly. What are some basic numbers and statistics that young and starting farmers might need to approach um the bank say they say they've got a a business plan what are some of those financial
2: numbers that they would need so part of it is um if you're doing the, the easiest thing to do is to kind of do a pro it's called a pro forma or a forecast of your financials so you would need to have um I, I like using sheep as examples because I, I know them better. <laughs> so you have to have some kind of benchmark for what can you realistically produce. Like, can you produce, say, 1.5 lambs? Can you ship that? Is that what you can get out the door? You need that number. You need some kind of history to show that thing. I have this use. I, I have a starting point there. And then you need to be able to lay out I found if you had a feed ration pre calculated that you could lay in what, or that you could uh, add in what your costs were per component. The banks liked looking at that because they could see you had thought about what you were going to feed. And for them, it's really easy to look at and be okay, well, your hay price that you have put in your budget is reasonable. Therefore, your costs should be acceptable in that way. And quite often, and this is again back to the unfortunate off-farm situation is they want to see a T4 or some kind of off-farm income source for your first year that you have something to pay your mortgage payments with. They'll so look at what your bottom line is, what you, if you, if you produce anything and just where you, what kind of costs you're anticipating. Not sure if that helps at all, but
0: yeah no that's a good one just knowing cost of production and we've been asked by a number of people because we you know we don't mind having people here for tours and stuff and it's it's kind of knowing those cost of production numbers as well as what the sheep will produce and i want to say it was either when we kind of started farming like 10 12 years ago or if it was when we did the expansion but a lot of the benchmark numbers for sheep specifically like the the number of the lambs marketed per you and things like that that you kind of find on the internet um they're much lower than what we were doing on the farm um so it's yeah the banks the banks easily find those numbers and they were kind of like well why are you so high but then we came back and said well but this is what we've been doing for a few years. So we have the proof that we're yeah. like we're better than that benchmark. And then it's kind of also interesting having that conversation with producers getting in, because I, I always tell them like, y- you can use that benchmark that you find on the internet, um, but you can also show like there's other um, there's more potential too. Right. So kind of having that, um, I don't know if you recommend, but we did, we kind of had like a, a shit up Creek number a realistic number, and then a really um, optimistic number. And yeah, that that-, also us, that kind of helped us kind of um, have a realistic look that like, if, you know, feed prices go through the roof or if land prices sort of hit the tank, like this is what we're looking at. And if we have a really awesome year, like this is what we're looking at.
2: Yeah, so that's the technical term, it's scenario planning, which I love doing. And that is exactly what I usually end up suggesting. I'm like, okay, what is your bottom end? Is it one do you know that even if everything goes crazy, you can produce one point four lambs per year that you that you've put in there? Well, what happens if you produce one point seven or five of the good sheep and you put in two lambs? Or yeah, feed costs, all of those things. Scenario planning is a super useful exercise and uh one of my favorite things to do with excel documents because you just copy and change variables and they they like seeing that as well um most common one i do is actually land prices because they do fluctuate to show where like which time of year you would get what kind of uh, revenue based on the pounds you're selling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are but- you aware are you aware
0: of any other avenues producers can go to get fin- financing other than the traditional bank? So
2: there's, yeah, there's the bank. Um, there's different loan programs within the bank. So we used Cala, and I found that not a lot of people have heard of the Canadian Agricultural Loan Act, which is administered by most of the big banks. But it's pretty helpful for young and startup producers because it's slightly more lenient on the financial requirements. You, uh, you don't need as many financial requirements. They're much more heavily based on forecasting. And other than that, there's, there's obviously owner finance. Uh, I've had a few anecdotal reports from people who've been able to do that again in the more Retiring Farmer Succession Plan model. And outside of that, the grant opportunities aren't that awesome. Not that I've seen. And then, well, you've got the classic going with Farm Credit Canada. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for beef cattle, there is the feeder finance options. And I believe there are certain feeder finance options or similar options to that available to Western Landers. Yes, I don't um, know that there's. Uh,
0: Manitoba has a lamb or a sheep and lamb program, and I would assume yeah. there's some type of um, program in Quebec, just with how their whole agricultural system is set up. Not that
2: I'm aware of, but they might have one or two. That there's there's a few. There is one. I don't know what it's exactly called, but there is a type of program that helps you get started in farming, some kind of lease back type of scenario. Uh, those ones, the lease facts exist, they also exist in Ontario. Uh, they're pretty they're more commonly found in a pastoral type of situation. And then what no, else would there be? Yes, yeah, the finding capital part is probably the most difficult part of
0: yeah, getting into farming yeah it's the tough part and you're yeah, just talking to different farmers too i find you know we have good luck with our financial institution the next person you talk to has terrible luck with that same financial institution and you know there's 10 different banks and 10 different experiences with all those banks so i would also say that it doesn't hurt to go to a bunch of different um banks or lending institutions and i mean even if you know even if say maybe the neighbor or someone else has had really bad luck with one maybe you'd have really good luck and it depends on who you deal with at that bank too and and how those relationships work so it's 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 tough but i think um if you find the right person to work with as well it can make a big
2: difference yeah and i think a big part of it is when when you go in um try to, try when you book your appointment, try to tell them what you want already. Tell them, so we're actually, we, this is kind of funny, but, and it'll probably sound even more funny to Ontario listeners. But when we were looking at buying our farm, every single agricultural department told us we weren't asking for enough money. Therefore, they couldn't lend to us and they had no interest in us. So we actually ended up in the small farm or the small business section uh grouped in with the hobby firms and once we switched tactics and applied um or asked for funding more in a small business sense and uh utilize the CALA program it it got the ball rolling much faster for us that's really so, interesting yeah it was it was our, our experience was quite a bit different from, I know many people go to Farm Credit, uh, which is, has had some fabulous programs. It just didn't quite work for us. And um, one of the biggest barriers we found yet was that we weren't, quote unquote, asking enough.
0: Hmm. Yeah. you can't win, right? It's, <laughs> there's always roadblocks in that way.
2: Yeah. Um, Sometimes I wonder,
0: would they have actually lent us as much money as they thought we should ask for? Yeah. Um, How about, uh, let's just keep going on maybe financials for a bit. Um, What are some tips or tricks for existing producers in the sheep industry, Um, whether they maybe need to cash flow a purchase or expand? Um, is there some different things that um, we should be doing if we yeah. already have a, a larger operation? Yeah.
2: So for starters, be pick your book. So make sure your counting books are actually as accurate or as up-to-date as you can get them. So there's a variety of tips on how to do that, keep that up-to-date. Uh, part of what I like to is I like to enter the invoices when I receive them, not necessarily when I pay them. On the computer, for me, the program I use actually then tells me what I owe that month, and I find it's a nice overview. But if you're looking for an expansion or just other funding or even a new venture because you want to add something else to your operation, a big part of it is knowing where your financials are and actually what was involved in producing those financials. Like maybe make a note at, um, cause not everybody gets uh, financial statements done by an accountant. Make a note at the bottom of your financials team. Like we had 250 used that year and we used so many bales of pay so that when you look at them later on or when you go into the bank to, maybe you want to increase from the 250 use to say 400 use you can be able to present to them this is what i used at that point in time so it's not unreasonable for me to expect to use this amount of feed when i get there so when you're recording your items don't just record i paid so and so many dollars for corn Record how to many tons of corn you bought you can look that information up really quickly and then yes, yeah, know your ratios a little bit beforehand. Um big one would be know your current ratio. So that's your asset, what you have physically there in, in a more convertible form. So that'd be your what's in your bank account, what's your inventory worth, you owe the total amount of what you owe up front in the next 12 months because if that ratio is less than one the bank is not going to be super thrilled when you go asking for more money you're going to have to do some explaining. yeah and there's there's lots of calculators I'm trying to think if i've had a post i think i had a post on a few of them somewhere uh if you know even this a handful of them, two or three, like your current ratio, um, a liquidity ratio, and your gross profit margin, then at least you're not totally shocked sitting in a meeting in front of somebody trying to pitch a plan. It's just, yeah, the biggest thing is knowing what you've done and knowing what went into producing what you've made because sometimes it's difficult to look at the dollar figure and go, oh my God, I have spent So much money on hay, prime example this year. But then also look at how many bales of hay did you buy. And that sometimes that helps you feel a bit better about the numbers.
0: Yeah. And those those ratios, like say say you provide a, a bank with your numbers and they um, you know, they type it into their system and it goes through their program. And it's some of those ratios, right? That they look at for whether you get that financing or not. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, so they do look at some of them. It really varies by the bank. Each one has their own benchmark. Um, FTC usually has a blog somewhere on what, they're, what they've looked at. And they would probably have the strongest benchmarking available because they have exclusively agricultural portfolio. But a lot of it is just looking at your um, cash flow situation. That is probably the number one thing that they'll often look at. So I actually focus a lot of my budgets on the on how to calculate your cash flow because your cash flow is not always reflected by what your bank statement says. So if you are an existing producer relying on the number on your bank statement as an indicator of financial health is not a good idea. It's the only thing I can say. Yeah, absolutely. Like you want to look at what kind of money is coming in and they will look at that. So if you've looked at it briefly before, um, if you're using almost any major accounting program to do your bookkeeping, it will help you produce it. That's the beauty about technology is most of these things, you don't need to use a pen and paper to do them. A computer program will sit them out for you. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. You just have to make sure you're, you're entering your income and your expenses properly and on time. And most of the rest will get done for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Awesome. And as your, is your business called, Farming Frontiers, is that your business name too? Yeah. Is that just your blog? Yeah. So you also offer some business planning services, which is really cool. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do for your business planning services and what you could do for people?
2: Yeah. So I like writing business plans. I think it's a lot of fun. I like talking to people about their plans because... I've seen a number of different financial situations and just all kinds of different operations. So uh, it was kind of born out of a situation where we have some really close friends who are starting their own farm operations. And all of those late night kitchen table sessions turned into uh, offering that to other people because the feedback I got was that it was really helpful, that they really appreciated it. So, I like to usually mainly ask questions. I I always tell anybody that I'm not judging you on any business plan. If you want to raise ostriches, that's awesome. All the more power to you. I just get to ask the questions from usually a more financially minded, but quite often also a resource focused. So, resource doesn't always have to be financial, it can be if you have the land capacity to have the number of animals you want to have, or how are you going to get more land? So I help people in right now it's mostly for Zoom because well we're in the we're in. So I'll walk, they'll usually tell me what they what, what you want, what what your goal is, what your vision is. And then I work with them to figure out how we get there and um, do proofreading and figure out how to word their business plan in a way that financial institutions are happy to read it or just anybody is able to read it and then know where you want your farm to go. A business plan isn't a static thing. It's an ongoing thing. But I find everybody has a challenge with uh, typing up that first draft and once you have the first draft, it's... A lot easier to keep going and to keep adding pieces and
0: taking pieces away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really awesome that you're offering this kind of support because I know so many people who cringe at the idea of doing any type of business planning, um, and you know, thinking about those big questions and how to actually do it. Yeah, what would be what would be some of the basic? Um kind of one two three things that you need um to start thinking about a business plan what are what are some of your top questions
2: so usually I start with where do you what what's your what's your dream like where where do you actually want to be and then so i'll go back to sheep so somebody tells me they'd like to have five hundred youth and they want to be able to live full-time off of that number of years. So that's an excellent goal. It's a great first starting point. So we start with that, and then we break it down to what do you need to get there? Well, it's not just you need 500 sheep. You need all these little puzzle pieces to get there. So we focus on what all goes into that. You need, and And then looking into... So you need to look into what your production choice, whatever it is that you've chosen needs. And that involves probably the most intensive research. Like what type of feed does the animal need? What, when can you market them? That's usually the next big step is after we figure out what you want and what that production item needs, we focus on what are your marketing options? Where can you move that? Because it's great to produce something, but if you can't sell it, it's not helpful. So once you have the marketing figured out, then we move into rough calculations at which point I encourage people to other producers, usually preferably within their geographic areas, who already produce what they want to do, or who might know somebody. Sometimes uh, we contact the marketing board for that product and go, hey, do you know somebody who might be able to help? Because I don't know everything about whatever product they want, but I like to say I'm connecting them to what they want. And once we have that connection, it's, it's usually a lot easier to find out things that we wouldn't have thought of. Like a really cool one I had recently involved pumpkins. It turns out if you plant fall rye underneath the pumpkins, it saves your weed suppression. Never would have known that. Google will not tell you that. Hmm. So, Good.
0: I'm interested in like having you do an ostrich farm business plan now. Because you mentioned that.
2: <laughs> Is that yeah, this, there, there's a running joke with that one. Um, and a classmate wanted ostriches. And apparently it worked out for them. So I'd like I, to do one too.
0: I remember as a kid, one of the neighbors had an ostrich farm and we went to go see them. So it would actually be really cool. Yeah. like you I said, That's they... where the
2: market puzzle piece comes in. You can produce anything you want as long as we can find somebody to buy it.
0: Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. And it can all be point form written down somewhere. I I noticed that Lots of people seem to download templates and things, which is awesome. Templates are the greatest thing, but then you see all the pieces to the template and you get kind of paralyzed by it. So I prefer a more question-answer type approach because it gets you thinking about more pieces faster, and once we have those dotted point form notes, it's a lot easier to pop them in a template. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, because if you say, you know, if you download one of those templates, like, they can be 10, 20 pages long, and that can be really daunting.
2: Oh, yeah, and it it does get daunting. So that's why a business plan is not a static thing. I think I'm on version, like, 15 of mine, and I'm sure even if I looked at the one I did this spring, it is nowhere near what reality looks like right now. Yeah,
0: yeah. And that's always, right? Life is like that too. You never imagine, you can't ever imagine or plan where you're going to be in five or 10 or 20 years. Because if you ask your, you know, 20 years from now, you know, looking back, I would have never, you know, we can't imagine what we're all going to do in that time, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I like five-year plans and those things, but I don't like... Placing 100% reliance on them. And I like to use them more as a roadmap of where you'd like to be, and if you're, I don't know, 80 degrees the other direction, maybe it's time to reevaluate something. hmm mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah,
0: that's that's a lot of really good information, both for like business planning and some of the financial stuff. Is there anything else? you can think that you'd like to add for any of that for producers or she- or anything sheep specific for financials or business planning?
2: Um, the big thing is just don't be afraid of the numbers. It can seem so daunting and I know so many people who don't want to do their books who will find it very frustrating. It, there, nobody says you have to enter it all in January. That's mind-boggling to me sometimes i've done it i've been there it happens like the cobbler's children here's some less um don't be afraid of the numbers look at them more as a as a tool you're not afraid of the medication you give your sheep so why be afraid of the numbers is better um ontario sheep has such an awesome awesome website i i'm on there cheap prices because i have a fascinating thing with them Mm -hmm. and it's and the
0: the resource section is really good too there's all kinds of
2: links in there yeah and don't just don't be afraid of the actual numbers Uh, like the price predictor tool that's offered is a really great starting point um if you look at my blog you'll actually see that i've got this really really big chart where i've collected all kinds of different price points but the price predictor will help you out just as much as got you don't have to go through that kind of work it's, it's those tools are out there it's just a matter of finding those tools and if numbers are super daunting and you're really struggling get help that's, that's my job when I'm not doing sheep farming things and those people are out there to help you you'd call a vet to help a sick animal so call somebody in if you're really stuck on your numbers or you really want to know where you're at um as accountants we're often almost sad when somebody comes in and picks up their books and they go yeah what do i owe or you know i'm getting a refund right this year But they don't ask, like, hey, can we take an hour and actually go over my financial results? I want to bounce an idea or two off of you. That's what we're here for. We're we're happy to help in that sort of capacity to to use those resources. That's probably my biggest suggestion.
0: Yeah, I I don't think that's a financial thing either, right? Like, as farmers, we're so independent, right? Like, we want to do everything ourselves. but if you can get rid of a couple of those jobs that you actually hate doing, it makes life so much easier.
2: Yes, exactly.
0: And yes, it may cost a little money to have someone else do something that you could probably do that yourself, but if you hate doing it, just let it go. Yeah. And like,
2: like when you said you had the sleepless nights over the ratios, sometimes if you filter that out to somebody else or you, Ask your accountant hey can you hand me some of the ratios back quite often they'll also be able to be like well you know your ratios look like this but you've actually improved from this ratio to this ratio over the last three or four years and then you'll you'll feel better about it yeah absolutely yeah um so i was
0: thinking uh, the other day or I, there's this thought that i have or within the industry of how do you get sheep farmers or like, how do you expand the industry? Um, A big one is always financing. Uh, But I think some of it plays into like business planning. Do you think there's anything specific or somehow we can help producers make that jump to, yes, you maybe need to have a farm or, or sorry, you need to maybe have an off farm job to start out but how do you make that jump to being home full time and expanding that sheep operation into like that serious part of your income or the it's to make sheep, the thing that pays your mortgage.
2: I think part of that is, um, not looking like not looking for income on the side of the farm, but actually knowing What does your lifestyle cost you? And that changes for every single person. But once you have that value, you can take the sheep numbers and figure out that maybe because you are a more frugal person who's happy to be around those sheep, you can make the jump into uh, maybe part-time work and then slowly transition your way out and increase your sheep numbers while you do it because you don't actually need as much income. The answer is never the same for everybody, I guess. And I think another part of it is just showing people, I know we focus a lot as an industry on you have to get to a certain size or these people have succeeded in certain ways, which is amazing. I love those stories, but I always want to know how did you get there? Where did you start? Did you start with 50 sheep? Did you start with a hundred sheep? And how many years did it take you to get there? And if we could, as an industry, uh, maybe even anonymous survey type of finding out it takes the average producer, say seven years to get to that size, what kind of a size increase did they have to do? And if you could share that information, you can produce a roadmap for people to look at. What it
0: takes mm-hmm. to get there? Yeah, it's such and with the sheep industry in particular, right? Like it's so diverse, it's so unique. There's a to z different ways to to do it. Yeah, um, but yeah, again, it comes back to you. Really want to ask yourself, like, what are your values? What do you want for yourself yeah. and for your family? you know, how many, you know, or maybe for things like how many weekends do you want to take off a year? Does your spouse work off the farm? Like it, all the different things have to come into play.
2: Yeah. And I think another part of it could be, I, I know that I I believe, and you can probably correct me if I'm wrong, Ontario Sheep is working on certain things, but if we could share more of a cost of production type thing and actually show the different systems. I know it varies for every single person, but that's often actually my biggest challenge is figuring out, okay, where where's a base point? What like, where's your where can you start from? Like is it $108 a lamb, which is what uh, some programs use, or is it like is it a range of different numbers or what does it cost you to feed a U? And if we can make some of those numbers, because uh, Omafra's, yeah, I'm sure she might have a more recent ones, but Omafra's cash enterprise budget for tea, I think it's quite outdated.
0: Yeah, yeah, and we should, and if we got really good, right, we should be looking at what it costs per pound of gain or per pound of lamb sold, right? Yeah, because it yes, it may cost however many dollars to feed a sheep, and she produces how many lambs. But what did it cost to get those? You know, in the end, it's pounds of lambs out the door. It's not,
2: yeah, you know, number of lambs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think the industry's come a fair piece. Like we haven't been in it that that long. But compared to, so I grew up on a dairy goat farm and compared to where that started and just how all over the place the information was, the sheep industry's done a pretty good job of uh, one, celebrating the different diversities that we have. We're not trying to cookie cutter the industry and just showcase different options. And I think there's so many people willing to help other sheep producers out within the industry which i think is awesome. Like if i want to if i wanted to get into grazing sheep next year, i know without a doubt there's like six different producers i can call who would be happy to give me the layout of what i need for, what i need to focus my attention on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that connection, offering those kinds of connections is also super valuable and would also help people transition to full time sheep farming. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh,
0: it's so much. Yes. <laughs> There's so much. Yeah. I'm not going to go dream about my ratios tonight. I know I need to do an updated business plan. So that, <laughs> that's something on my list that I got that you've reminded me to do again.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: We, we spent so many years now. Oh gosh. I guess maybe like the last five years we spent sort of business planning and planning our expansion, but now like that expansion is done. And so I feel like we need to do the next, not, yeah, I don't know what we're going to change or if we need to change, but I feel like we just need to update that business plan again.
2: Always, okay.
0: always move a little bit forward.
2: And growth isn't always the answer either. It's not always mm-hmm. um, bigger, yeah I think sometimes we and I am totally guilty of this, where you look at it and go, Oh man, I could add fifty more use. that would be awesome when reality is I should probably focus on profitability per pound marketed,
0: yeah, it's that efficiency right like maybe you could yeah it. You know it's possible that like I mean fifty use is not necessarily that much depending on the initial size of the flock, but maybe you could get that extra production that you think you need from fifty use, maybe you could get it in much easier ways with the use you already have
2: yes exactly, and so and it's all, yeah, it may not be how much bigger you want to get, but how much more efficient you want to get and like your point about the weekend, maybe uh for you it so many more weekends available to spend with
0: our children to do things. How yes, can we it's, make that that's, reality? That's
2: something that's, going,
0: that's something that's going in the plan, as well as a part-time employee or full-time employee. I don't know yet. Yep. Awesome. Yeah that's, yeah, that's so much good information for everyone. So I hope um, people will start doing more business plans, even though it might be scary, or work with someone like you to do business plans. But there's definitely a lot of resources out there yeah um and uh, yeah i'll i'll post i'll post a link to your website and if there's any other really good resources that you might have um i'll post those as well in case anyone needs any of those links but um uh i'll ask you a fun question i guess for at the end of all that i guess it's not heavy but it's just a lot um do you have a favorite lamb recipe that you would share or what do you like to make with lamb
2: lamb so we don't actually eat a whole lot of lamb but we got uh, we had a deal with a direct marketing producer which is very beneficial for everybody it was a really cool experience and we got sausages back and I thought they were really awesome and I kind of want to Turn one of our lambs into more sausages. So I'm not very experimental with the lamb meat yet. I'm still at the sausage stage.
0: Oh, anything is good in a sausage version, though. I don't yeah. think I've ever had a bad sausage.
2: Yeah, and that's, that's the cool thing about the calves is they're with those lower amounts of lanolin. There's less of the mutton flavor to even a slightly older ewe. So oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you could do like
0: a, you could call you just into sausage, right?
2: Yes, Um, our call
0: actually, they, there seems to be
2: stable demand for them, which is pretty awesome.
0: Thanks so much for joining me. Um, I do, I really appreciate your time. And I think sheep producers or anyone interested in in farming um, will definitely have a lot to take away from this. Thanks again. Yes, thank you so much for having me perfect okay i always think i don't have enough to talk about and it still always takes about an hour it's good
2: it, it works better on the computer so
0: yeah yeah no, i don't know that's weird i'll have to uh, i should make a note and go back and double check how everyone recorded with me uh, on my yeah, i'm just doing it on my phone yeah i think i could do it on the computer I just don't have a microphone with it.
2: Yeah, like I, I had a minute there where the where your sound, I got that I had my second screen plugged in, and I couldn't hear you for a minute because I realized that I never turned the speakers on the other screen.
0: Oh, okay, yeah. So, but no, it's actually pretty easy. Like it's just an app on my phone, and I send the link. I don't have anything fancy. Well oh, that works, right? You gotta stick with the Yeah. So I figure if I bought the fancy equipment, it'd probably break down and mess up on me too. So I'm not gonna bother.
2: Yeah. Just, you don't have to go complicated with technology. There's so many awesome things out there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. good.
0: Well, I'll let you go. I'll uh, yeah. yeah. You gotta get rested up for that wedding and stuff too. So I, to <laughs> I feel bad that, that
2: we, we scheduled it for now, but it's all right I have the next two weeks off because well if I'm doing some UPA right. training yeah so. good so yeah if you' got any other questions or if you need a certain link just let me know I can send those over to you
0: yeah I'll put your I'll put your website up um, and maybe what's yeah, yeah. the the O Financial calculator thingy and maybe the resources link from Ontario Sheet.
2: Yeah, there's the Ontario Sheet has that uh, a business plan module thing. Mm-hmm. That's actually a really good starting point, and you can print that out Gosh. once you fill it in. Okay. I don't have the link for it, but yeah, I think oh, that would the- be it too. It'd be a great link to share.
0: Yeah. And I'll maybe do the price predictability calculator too.
2: Yeah, because I find that a lot of people click on that. Maybe they've clicked on it more since they've been putting it in the newsletter more frequently. Mm. That thing is cool. If you ever wondered where I got eight years worth of data from? It came from that thing. Yeah. I usually just look at the market report. Yeah.
0: The price is not everyone kind of said, oh, it's gonna drop. Um, after eat, but like nothing is it's just staying where it is. I wanted is to go there.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually our sheet prices right now, so I track all this, right? For the category that we sell in, which is the sixty five to seventy nine, uh, they're running currently in- Average over the whole year of three dollars dead on. Wow, last year's was 280 something. So, yeah, so we may not have had the peaks from Easter that you know we're used to, yeah, but it's just been consistent. But the consistent price overall is actually looking pretty good,
0: yeah. Yeah, it looks like, I'm looking on the, the predictability graph, it always kind of wiggles here, but the 95 to 100, it looks like I had a, one, a little bit of a drop right after Eid, and then it went right back up.
2: Yeah, which is good, because yeah, we had some interesting feed concerns this year. That was fun. <laughs> oh.
0: Yeah, no, if I had, if we sell all ours to, like, we have a local abattoir, like, he's like five minutes away, which is really awesome, and, yeah. Like this week he's like, You don't happen to have a hundred heavies, do you? I'm like, No, I wish I did. Yeah. He, it's good. Yeah, like they kind of go off of market price. We don't have anything really set with them, but the way market price has been going, that works out too. Yeah, if we had twice as many, three times as many, right? There's I could yeah. get rid of it. and like stuff too, like it's I yeah, we're booking into the stuff, I think. Born that's going to land like in january
2: yeah producers around here who also sell the that we can call a trucker and who will come into our are loaded up and headed away and you're not killing an entire day at the sale barn oh nice yeah that's good it obviously costs something but i did the math and <laughs> we're going to have
0: to sell a lot more lambs to justify trailer. <laughs> yeah. We were just thinking, we've got enough acres now. And with Ryan's dad, we were starting to think, Ryan thought, well, maybe we need to buy our own forage harvester. And we did haylage on, oh, God, Friday? No, Saturday. We managed to sneak it in. It was a bit wet. But the big self-propelled New Holland shows up three guys running you know the gigantic wagons and they're done in an hour and a quarter or sorry two and a quarter hours like i i i get that it's going to be a huge harvesting bill but that's two and a half hours we didn't have to fix equipment we didn't need to like find the people to drive wagons we didn't spend three days harvesting like it yeah it's hard it's hard to justify
2: some of the stuff right and you don't have a monthly payment for 12 months of the year for that harvester that's not your problem yes
0: and yeah like ryan like looked at harvester prices and then like that was the first like holy bananas
2: yeah they're they're interestingly like, right pieces of equipment they're yeah yeah so we're just we're just we just farm our sand dune and uh, hey which is real interesting this year
0: yeah well it's nice and wet
2: now right you're fine <laughs> uh so our farm is not piled yeah it, it's like uh i took the horse out and it the water's literally splashing off of his legs that's how much it is out there
0: yeah and it was dry earlier right were you guys dry this summer like june july uh
2: we have only 50 percent of the hay that we need oh yeah like our field, they recovered, but our second cut was horrible. Um, so to give you an example, our second cut on the one farm was 34 bales, and that was that? Um, and we just did third cut on the exact same property and got 180 bales.
0: Wow. Yeah, we got probably, we got more third cut than second cut for sure but that's yeah. pretty dramatic
2: yeah. I, I know your second cut's good down there from where he came from yeah <laughs>
0: yeah yeah no it, and even like around here it's like it's pretty spotty and even the rain is spotty right like yeah the other, like before we did our third cut we got like a random two inches of rain that the neighbors didn't the road north of us it was yes. he he's like yeah can you come like because we cut some hay now. So he's like, yeah, can you come? Like, are you ready to cut? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> it rained two inches. Well, no, it didn't. So they had got, like, hardly anything. We got this
2: random bubble over the farm. Yeah, it's been strange, at least to say. Like, I'm looking at the weather forecast for the wedding next week, and I'm like, oh, it's looking at, like great hay-cutting weather because we still have to do yeah. third cut off other properties. And I'm looking at it going I have my wedding.
0: Yeah. You better just stick your head out that morning to decide what the forecast is.
2: Yeah. Well, I am basically a human barometer at this point, so. (laughs) That is how they gave, they they have running jokes around here going, what sheep are you in? Should we hook up the bailer today? Is it going to rain? And I'm like, I'm not moving. Okay, we're going to bail right now. (sighs) handy skills yeah unfortunately but hey got to find something funny about it yeah exactly oh. yeah good well i'll let you go
0: yep i will
2: thanks, thanks again
0: it. and keep an ear out hopefully yeah see how my weekends goes but i'll i subscribed on
2: spotify so it should tell me
0: good i need to look into like how i find like it shows me how many people listen to it, but I don't know how many people subscribe to it. I should put that into my thing, right? Like, like and
2: subscribe. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't know if it would show you how many people on Spotify. Like I'm, I'm just a listener on the other side. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah.
0: Oh, well. Good. So thanks, thanks. again. And uh, yeah. yeah. Happy Thank wedding.
2: Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Yeah. Bye.
0: Thanks for tuning in and make sure you head on over to Instagram to follow us at Circle Our Lamb where I'll be posting links to the episodes as well as the show notes and any related tip sheets and materials. Feel free to ask any questions or give us suggestions for future episodes. Thanks and happy farming.